0: welcome back everyone you're listening to episode 72 of double hoppy where we take the pulse of the beer and brewing scene i'm james a homebrewer and craft beer enthusiast
1: and i'm shannon a beer intermediate we are joined by a fellow homebrewer, big supporter of the show and dual citizen of arizona and minnesota woo woo. you might know him as the blind brew guy on instagram but it's fred welcome to the show
2: Thanks so much, guys. I really, uh, really appreciate you having me on, and uh, I love the show, so it's, it's nice to be able to visit with you.
1: Well, we appreciate you reaching out. <laughs> Always happy to talk to fellow homebrewers.
2: Well, I figured if you wanted to uh, get a couple states covered with your uh, homebrewer from every state thing, I was I was your guy.
1: Yeah. James says we can't count you as two, though. Okay. But well, I, I, <laughs> I, I say differently, but James, <laughs> we're having a
0: debate. We, we, we like that thought process, Fred, you know, but I think... The value you bring, I think you're you want to pick a state, right? So I think okay, well you got to pick might one. We'll stick
2: with Arizona then. That's uh, that's actually my residence. So
1: okay, check it off the list.
0: <laughs> I was hoping okay. you'd pick Arizona because I don't okay. know too many Arizona home brewers out there. So I'm gotcha. I'm happy that you're in Arizona, and I have some fun facts for Arizona. So if you had picked Minnesota, then maybe <laughs> Shannon would have had to try and come up with something because I would have had nothing. Okay. <laughs> So thank you, Fred. I appreciate that. <laughs> Not a problem.
1: Okay. Well, let's just get right into it and start off with what we ask all of our homebrew guests is, how did you get started into homebrewing? I first
2: homebrewed with my brother back in the late 80s. We did a couple batches together, just the canned pre-hop stuff, and it didn't turn out very well. We we tried it. Kind of, kind of knew that the process was there anyway, but fast forward to about 2017, I was retired from work uh, because of my eyesight, so I was looking for and a lot of my hobbies. I was kind of having to give up. Um, I did a lot of hunting, fishing, camping. I still do some fishing, but I needed something to fill my time with, and I like craft beer, and I think my wife might be sorry, but she, I talked to her, and let me get a Mr. Beer kit. And so I, I brewed that. Uh, we actually were in Minnesota. We, we spent the summers in a campground at that point. So I uh, brewed, our, you can't really call it brewing, but I, I heated <laughs> up the stuff on, on my grill out on the deck and put it in the little Mr. Beer Cake thing and let it sit in a cooler for a couple of weeks. And then I bottled it with their plastic bottles, and I know I oxidized it. But anyway, give it a drink of barely, but you know how it is. I was not going to not gonna be deterred by the fact that it tasted a little funny. <laughs> um, and, and the rest of the history. I just started, uh, well, I, I was determined to, to maybe copy some of the craft beers that I enjoyed. That was probably the, the reason I, I started was Surly Brewing down in St. Paul was one of my favorites at the time. They had a a beer called bender as a brown ale and then they made a coffee version of that i was really trying to duplicate their come up with something close to their beer over over the years i kind of abandoned that now you know i i do more of my own thing but but i started out pretty much just trying to to clone uh some of the different craft beers and uh, and try to improve that way so that was the start
0: So I guess when you saw on our Instagram uh, our post about our little experiment with the Mr. Beer kit that was uh, way past the Best Buy uh, date that our our friend had just uh, he had found in his basement, must have brought back those memories for you of that kind of experience.
2: And and it brought back even some more recent memories because uh, this winter... I had a couple cans of stuff that I had bought back in 2017 when I first started that I I started doing five-gallon extract batches after that. And these two cans got shoved in the back. So I actually brewed those before you did your experiment. (laughs) And and I I had to dump that batch because I I can't say for sure it was because I I also doctored it up with some other... uh, I had some other malt extract and some leftover hops, and I, I, it was kind of a kitchen sink batch. And I threw that that Mr. Beer stuff in there, and it, it was probably one of the only batches I really dumped out. It, I, I tried to like it, but I just couldn't.
0: I hear you. That that happens a lot, where you you just try so much to make it work, and then you know it just doesn't work. Yeah, And that's just home brewing, right? You have to just accept it sometimes and be like, okay. okay, well, move on, move on to something else.
2: Yeah, and that's why I really started, when I went to All Grain, I was using kits, uh, you know, pre-made, made-up kits for a while. And and that really helped me get my confidence that, okay, I now I can make good beer. I mean, people, people were actually telling me it was, was good that, that weren't necessarily related to me. So... That gave me the confidence that, okay, I, you know, I can make good beer. So <laughs> then, then I felt, then I started feeling more comfortable going back to where I was uh, doing a little experimenting and, and mixing things up with my own recipes. But it took a few of those, of those all grain kits to, to kind of give me some confidence again.
1: So obviously it's been five, five years now, if I did my math correctly. Yep, 22 minus yeah, 17 is exactly. five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so, from the people that don't know you from Instagram and couldn't tell by your name, you are losing your vision. So, what is your current setup like, and how, if if you've had to modify any of the equipment that you're using that might be different from um, people who well, don't have an impairment, how does how does that work for you?
2: Sure, it was it was a process uh, to to find out what worked for me. Um, I, like I say, started with extract on this, and I was brewing on my kitchen stove, and my wife had to help me, and she wasn't, she wasn't that thrilled with the smell and the mess. And, and uh, <laughs> that so, sounds familiar. So, <laughs> what, one of my first, one of my first things was to move outside, so that that way, at least, if I made a mess, the garden hose would would take mm-hmm. care of it. So, I moved outside, uh, got a propane burner, a ten gallon uh, kettle. And I still made some extract batches. Um, it, that was messy, though. Too, uh, just liquid extract is just messy. I maybe mm-hmm. not for other people, but I ended up with extract all over the place. My so my daughter, who who also brews, bought me a five gallon all grain kit, and it's, it's a recipe I still kind of make today on my own. But I uh, it, it it's, uh, it's a black. Uh, black ales kind of a a a belgian double but but modified a little bit but anyway she bought me that i did um a brew in a bag tried that and it turned out it turned out pretty good and and the process was wasn't bad for me i still need to modify things upgrade to a to a better kettle that had a fall lock valve and and the temperature gauge on it so i could uh keeping track of temperatures is really difficult um i have to use a magnifier Mm -hmm. electronic magnifier and and i can read the dial on the kettle now i struggled with you know sticking the dial thermometers into the into the kettle but then the steam hits you in the face (laughs) and you can't you know you can't read the dial i tried electronic floating ones they didn't seem to be very accurate. so I, I struggled with the temperature until i until I got this kettle uh, uh, with a built in with the thermometer built into it, so i could uh, I could start managing temperature a lot better.
0: And I think it's really interesting too that the the difficulties you've been talking about that I think every home brewer has experienced that not in the same way, but also you know something to consider when you're getting your home brewing set up on temperature control trying to find something that works for you works with your style of brewing and i think that you just made a great point of no matter who you are what kind of impairment you might have that you can still homebrew and i think that's incredible
2: yeah no it's just a matter of it's just finding a process that works for you and and overcoming you know some some of the obstacles so i mean. I used to have to have someone either either my wife or my daughter both my daughters helped me through too. even simple things like weighing weighing out ingredients and hops was until I got a scale that I could use with uh, I actually I actually use my my phone camera and flip the colors around, and then I can see the scale reading. So I can do all that myself, but it took quite a while to get to that point. So it's just mm-hmm. it's just little things that need to overcome. And and like I say, I, I had help for quite a while, so I could still do it even even when some of those things were more of a struggle. But then then I just figured out ways to 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 get around that. Like I auto syphons were really difficult, which is kind of the reason I have my current setup too because uh, I I can gravity flow everything don't have to worry about spilling as much things like that so so yeah it's just a lot of little things but you know the main thing was just uh, okay start brewing figure out the process and then see what I needed to do to modify it so it worked for me
0: you're the true MacGyver
1: uh, of brewing.
2: <laughs> I don't know about that, but I try. I
0: was going to say, I would probably award Fred the first like, mag- like true MacGyver of the five-year period. That he- <laughs> and when did you start your Instagram page where you were sharing your homebrewing experience in addition to your craft beer experience with restaurants and breweries? When did you start start that out? I,
2: I want to say it was two- sometime in 2019, and, and that was my my youngest daughter Melissa that that brews with me and she she had an instagram page I, I think we were brewing together and she took a picture to post and i asked her what she was doing and she said oh i just have this instagram page i keep track of what i'm brewing when i'm brewing things like that and she said oh do you want me to set you up one and i said <laughs> i guess so i don't know what to do <laughs> and, so she set it up for me. I came up with a name and just started posting, you know, just pictures of my home brewing. And, and then, then I started doing the craft because uh, I wasn't brewing all the time. So I was like, well, I'll post some of my craft beer too because uh, I started getting followers. And, you know, some of them were home brewers. Some of them were just craft beer uh, drinkers. And and uh, so I, I just, just started posting stuff. I like to tell people now, I, I guess I – I'm blind and I brew beer. So why wouldn't you want to follow me?
1: <laughs> People want to see what's going to happen next. I guess so. Speaking of what's happening next. I saw on your Instagram that you built a guillotine for brewing. Well, it's, so
2: it's, it's nicknamed the guillotine. I, I did not do that. I built my first one back in Phoenix and I, I have a couple well, I, have, I have followers around, around the world. There, a couple of them were from France and they commented on it and called it the, the guillotine and and I didn't really think of it like that and and I wasn't adopting the name until <laughs> other people started calling it that too so I finally just gave in and, and that's what I started calling it but that that was basically my brew station I, That's what I what I always called it and it started out as just the platform that raised up my uh, my burner, my kettle high enough, like I said, to grab the flow from the kettle into my fermenter. So I didn't have to siphon anything, didn't have to to mess with that. So I built the platform, and then I used to have a, a just take a ladder and set it up over the platform, and I would use that with a rope to and a pulley to lift my grain bag out of the out of the kettle and let the work drain out of the Mm -hmm. grain bag and back into the kettle. It was really inconvenient. If you can imagine the eight-foot ladder, um, I'm trying not to knock anything over. (laughs) And then it was in the way when you're trying to actually do your hop additions and, and all that. So during COVID, I didn't have much else to do. We were at home, and I had some scrap lumber. So I thought, well, maybe I should just make a little frame above this above my platform, and I wouldn't have to use the ladder anymore, so I, I whipped that together in an hour or two, and, and then I got a ratcheting, it's called a ratcheting tie-down, but it's a pulley that locks, so I could just lift the, lift the grain and, and uh, let, it, let it hang there, and it would lock in place as opposed to trying to tie it to one of the rungs on the ladder. And then I added a shelf and a bottle opener and uh, some hooks to hang hang the mash paddle and my uh, work chiller on. So it, it, it kind of got to be multifunctional. My one in Phoenix, I've got a little attachment where I can put my grain mill. So when I'm milling grain, I haven't done that on my newest one that's, that's here in Minnesota because here I was using scaffolding and some concrete blocks, and that, that was getting a little cumbersome also. So I built... Built this one and, and I'm hoping to get it broke in here probably Friday, I think I'm gonna brew on it. So uh, hopefully hopefully it'll work fine.
1: It sounds like a very compact brewing station. It almost like you could take it on tour. You could get all your stuff onto one thing. Put it on and wheels around and just the country. Wheel
0: up behind it your is, co- yeah. behind your van to go from state it to is, state.
2: It is portable. Now another purpose it serves is it keeps my stuff organized on mm-hmm. my brew day because it's a big deal with my vision because if something is a foot away from where it should be mm-hmm. it could just well be 50 feet I, I you know and then yeah. I got to start finding things so if if I reach for something and it's not there then that's one of those oh crap where the did I set it <laughs> down did you know so I, I start my brew day out pretty organized with everything where I know it should be so I can, I can grab it as I need it and not, uh, because I'll, I, I'll guarantee you when I started out, there was brew days, as I was running all over the garage, accusing my wife of taking my stuff, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that goes, but anyway, so, so now before I brew, I make sure I'm all, all set to go and, and I know where everything is and, and so there's no, no running around looking for stuff.
0: Yeah. So I think so far modifying the equipment to meet your needs being well organized. Anything else? Having someone nearby in case all go, hell uh, breaks totally, loose? I,
2: I totally, I, in fact, I kind of like it when my wife leaves the, the house. I, <laughs> I, I feel like i not interrupted as much, so I, I really don't don't need anyone around anymore. You know, I've had people say, well, how does she dare leave you alone with propane burners and you know, all that? It's like, well, I know I can hear the propane burner. It's not like I need to see it, and you can feel it's hot. So I, you know, I'm not gonna, <laughs> not gonna grab a hold of it or anything. Um, and my setup is stable, so I don't have to worry about knocking over, you mm-hmm. know, a kettle, kettle full of boiling water, um, boiling work. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I actually prefer to brew alone. Or with someone who actually wants to brew or learn how to brew too. I've got some friends that that have picked up brewing since I started, and we brew together here. So yeah, I think
0: I I'm gonna say no comment for me as far as Shannon leaving the house when I brew. I'm gonna do no <laughs> comment there. I don't want to get uh, in trouble here. <laughs> and being a father, uh, I now kind of I was really drawn to your story too, Fred, because of your relationship with your daughter and. Kudos that she's a home brewer as well. That's awesome, and I hope my daughter becomes a home brewer. But so, how has your relationship <laughs> with your daughter changed or evolved as a result of this home brewing hobby that you started?
2: I don't know that it's changed much. I, I've 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 got two daughters. My, my youngest one is the one that brews, but my my older one probably would also. But but she's got two daughters and her husband coaches football so that takes up a lot of time the home brewing kind of started about the same time but on different tracks i started mine my, my daughter melissa started uh, brewing one gallon all grain batches so just small batches but she was doing all grain uh, before i was so and she was the one that, that got me started into all grain also. But then she started, started brewing bigger batches because a one-gallon batch, you get like 10, 11 mm-hmm. bottles of beer. You're going through all this work, and if it's good, well, it doesn't last yeah. long. And so she then she moved up to three-gallon by the time I was brewing five, and then uh, then we both just started basically doing five-gallon five batches because we both had kegerators and, uh, you know, five-gallon batch fits fits perfect Mm -hmm. in a in a corny keg so we we definitely spend a lot more time talking about beer and brewing you know but it didn't really change it's just something else for us to Mm -hmm. to to do together but we'll all get together and and brew you know uh, and sometimes we'll do a double batch if she comes down to phoenix She'll bring some of her gear, and we'll we'll each do a five gallon batch, and then and then my other daughter and her family will come over, and, and uh, we'll just spend the day together doing that. Probably throw something on the grill too, and oh. and we're uh, we're all set to go for the day. So we we spend time talking about beer, wheat, we, we talk about podcasts we listen to about beer. It keeps us from talking about politics, which <laughs> is not a good subject <laughs> because we're we're uh, I'm on a little. Different end of the spectrum than she is, um, so so this way we we've got something else to talk about. And we don't
1: have to get into the
2: politics. So beer
1: is keeping uh, families together. So yeah, there, okay.
2: you, go. there yeah.
0: you go. You don't talk <laughs> beer in politics. Yeah, or you yeah, shouldn't. I mean, re- that's a re- no. that's a true recipe for disaster. <laughs>
2: sure, especially when you got family members that, that don't always see eye
1: to eye. Exactly. So I mean, in a more lighthearted way of not seeing eye to eye, do you ever get competitive with? my beer is better. No, my beer is better.
2: You know, we, I I don't think so. We, we brew a lot of different beers. And Mm -hmm. so we, we share, we share a lot. She lives about an hour and a half from me. So we, we go up to her place where she's got her kegerator set Mm -hmm. up. And, and we used to bring our beers back and forth in growlers. And now we kind of just, you know, it it doesn't stay that good anyway. Mm -hmm. So when I go to her place, we just drink out of her tap. She comes onto my our place, and and uh, and her and her husband drink drink out of my tap. So, we we make different things. We have talked about doing ten gallon batches and splitting them up, but but we like trying different things too. So, uh, and her husband is more into IPAs probably than I am. So she she does a milkshake IPA that uh, that they really like. Uh, she and, and Melissa likes saisons. Um um. Okay with the but it's probably nothing I'd have on tap myself. Uh, so, just different things. I'm more of a stout person. I like dark beers. I, I always have an IP on tap also, but um, and I do a jalapeno beer. Uh, so a couple, a couple different things. But, but we we just more or less share. We don't we don't don't get too competitive.
0: That's good. <laughs> and so, if, brewing in both Arizona and Minnesota. I'm sure you see a lot of, when you go out to your craft breweries, some differences in the breweries out in Arizona versus Minnesota. What's the kind of vibe like in Arizona at the craft breweries that you're going to on the norm? Um,
2: you know, in, in Arizona, they're, they're, um, they're different. I don't know if I can put my finger on why they're different. There's a bigger variety in Arizona. So, I mean, there there's some, uh, some great places some specialize more in IPAs. Some some are maybe into the sours a little more. And and then you know there's there's always other offerings there too. And then the food can be different. Uh, some some don't have food. Some have really good food. So we, we might go there for for a meal versus just going out for for a beer. It gets a little tough because my wife is celiac, so she can't mm. have uh, she can't have gluten, which is in most most beers uh, unless they're they're made made gluten free which which is tough and she'll have a seltzer but she's unless they have a bar where she she can get a or a full a full bar where she mm-hmm. can get drinks. It, it's not as much fun for her to go out, let's put it that way. And usually when there's a restaurant or they have food, they, they have a have have drinks to go along with that and or at least some wine. Uh, so but she's also not opposed to being the, the DD and, and just uh, taking, taking me out to places
1: too. That's nice. <laughs> Which yeah, that's yeah. great. That's
0: always well-liked and well-deserved, I guess. And the, the people in your party will be happy with the DD. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so you, do you think like there's a certain style in Arizona? Is it mostly stouts, IPAs versus Minnesota? Have you seen that kind of like the most commonly seen or is it just pretty much IPAs all around everywhere?
2: I, no, I think, I think Arizona is more IPA-focused than they are up here. There's more variety of different beers. But I, I kind of see the, the IPA thing in Arizona maybe changing a little bit too. They're, they're getting more into lockers, uh, you know, Pilsners, things like that. So there is a little bit of a shift, in my opinion, going on that uh, uh, at least – at least it's not ten different IPAs on tap. It's maybe only five, and then they've got a few other, uh, few other offerings in in Arizona. Here in Minnesota, and, and I know you guys have have been here and, and experienced some of the the craft beer mm-hmm. here too. I, I think there there's just. There's more variety because I think people I, I think people are used to a, a wider variety of, of different beers. So I mean, there's definitely IPAs, but but there's there's more. In fact, right now I'm drinking a, uh, uh, a coffee stout or just a coffee ale. They call it uh, from Ben Paddle uh, Brewery up in Duluth, Minnesota. It's really good.
0: Right, I so love Ben Paddle. That they're great.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's I I had never I haven't been up there my. My other daughter Jill that that comes in and she she's going to be coming to visit her and her husband. We watched the grandkids and and they took a trip up to Duluth and um, but the good thing was they brought me back a beer sign from a, a, a brewery called uh, uh, Castle Danger, which is also mm-hmm. a favorite of mine and uh, they went to Ben Paddle. I, I didn't get didn't get a sign from them but. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, the the Duluth area is good. Uh, The Minneapolis-St. Paul area, there's a lot of places. But even the smaller towns here um, around where we're at um, have a surprisingly good variety of of breweries uh, uh, to to visit. You know, you might have to drive. I'd say within a 30-mile radius, there's probably 10 breweries uh, that that I could go
0: Yeah, I think I think we kind of experienced that too in Minnesota. Of just you could find the IPAs and stouts, and we were we were actually in a, the craft beer festival there uh, just before COVID, and the amount of dark beers, high ABV dark beers that were just phenomenal in Minnesota. And I just happened to look on Beer Advocate just at for kicks, looking at Arizona, Massachusetts, and uh, Minnesota, and it seemed like Minnesota. Their top beers, their top four or five beers were all stouts in the ten to fifteen percent ABV range. Oh
1: my gosh! Yeah. Well,
2: and, you know, I, I'm I'm not a, I'm not opposed to. I, I like my dark beers, and I don't mind them strong either. Even though you can't have as many of them. And I'm like, it's
0: gotta be because of all those blizzards. And then I looked at Massachusetts, and you know, the top forty-five almost is the same two breweries, and it's all IPAs for the most part, and they're all between 7 to 9% for the highest rating. This is based on top highest rating of people who are rating, which, again, I'm not for rating beers because I think all the beers are great and it's just different Mm -hmm. taste styles. But I think it's interesting when you look at the different states and how people are rating these beers and how for Arizona the top two are stouts, One's a 9%, one's a 12%. And then the next four are IPAs, and you have a Kolsch on there. And I right. thought that was interesting because Massachusetts, it was all IPAs on these top. You, you know, if you're not an IPA, you're not getting above this certain rating based on beer advocates' results here. And in Arizona and Minnesota, it seems like people are exploring not only multiple different breweries and rating them above whatever they in their mind a 5.0 is. But I thought that was just very interesting, looking at three different states and just the similarities and differences. And I think that matches with what you're saying with what you think is happening in Minnesota right now.
2: Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. It it, it seems that way to me too. I and I also I, I don't I don't have an untapped account or I, I figure why who am I to tell people <laughs> yeah. you know what what a beer should be rated. I I know what I like. I know what I don't like. That doesn't mean it should influence someone else drinking or not drinking Mm -hmm. something just because just because i i might maybe didn't like it or or i really liked it so
0: yeah i almost wish they had something where it wouldn't hurt the breweries by doing the ratings and it was kind of like a private thing just so you could keep track of if you really liked something Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah. i'm not surprised by new england liking only ipas though because a lot of people were very stuck in our ways james not me personally but a lot of people Dunkin' donuts Or nothing.
0: That's true. And you know,
1: they like what they like. They'll go out in a blizzard and negative five degrees to get that Dunkin'. So
0: sticking with the IPAs is not very surprising. Us Boston people are all just, you want the rage or you want nothing?
2: There there was a time I would not drink an IPA. I, you know, and, and we're, we're talking back to the, to the bitter West Coast IPAs. I just, I just didn't, didn't care for all the bitterness and, and I wasn't used to them either. So. Uh, it took a while to acquire a taste for it. Now I've never brewed a New England IPA, just not because I, I, I got some I have some in my fridge right now, but I don't. It's just something I wanted to brew and have on tap, my you know, on, on my home kegerator. So, um, but but I, I you know I, I like the I like the hazies and and it's fine to go out and have one, try one, but it, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's nothing I drink a lot of.
1: So speaking of beers that you like, what is your favorite beer that you've ever brewed?
2: It would probably be my I call it I call it just a black ale. It's, like I say, it was kind of it was my first all grain recipe. My my daughter bought me a kit from Brooklyn Brew Shop, and it was called it's uh, called Brussels Black. So it's kind of a Belgian double. Uh, but it doesn't use the it doesn't use any the dark candy syrup mm-hmm. sugar in it. It uh, it uses some black patent malt and honey to maybe kind of mimic the same thing. Uses a Belgian uh, dry ale yeast and um, that was that was kind of the beer that I made that got me started in all grain. It also turned out great, so it gave me like I say it gave me the confidence to kind of keep going. And I, I start brewing that on my own. I almost always have it on tap. I rotate some other dark beers out, but that's that's probably my my uh, my favorite beer that I brewed.
0: And because we like to get a little fun on this podcast, <laughs> if you were a beer, what <laughs> style beer would you be? And then would you rather be canned or bottled? I would definitely
2: be an imperial stout, and I would be in a bottle. Seven fifty.
0: That's uh, awesome. Yes. That, Fred, that bombers. is the answer I've been waiting for. Because you don't want to say, you know, I'd be a beer and I'd be canned because no one wants to be canned. You know,
1: I want to be canned. Do-do-tsh. You want to be canned? <laughs> oh. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I just got your joke. Never mind.
0: <laughs> so, I do my own drum rolls on this podcast now, even though she's got the button because it's just she she hasn't warranted it yet.
1: I have to. I only dole out.
0: The, Fred, Fred got my joke really quick. Yeah, Fred yeah. was on it. It, it must be the, the fathers here. That could be. The dad jokes. I don't but know. The
1: tired mom brain is not catching up <laughs> with your jokes. Yes. Yeah. When you've gone out to a brewery, is there any beer that you've tried that you didn't think you were going to like that you ended up really enjoying?
2: Oh, that's... Uh... Let's see. I've had the opposite happen on beer that I really <laughs> thought I was going to enjoy, and it didn't didn't live up to expectations. I've had I've had some what I would call experimental beers. Now, I, just a couple days ago, I was at a, a, a brewery in a, uh, a town about 20 miles from here. It was a raw, experimental rye ale. It was uh, it was called Dark and Stormy, and the only the only thing that I regret is the the bartender was it was his first day he didn't know a whole lot about it and the brewer wasn't there so i don't know why it was experimental (laughs) it was good and then it had it had something going on that i couldn't put my finger Uh. on i was thinking it might be a yeast a yeast that they used i I wasn't Mm. too sure it had a little bit of a saison Thing going on, but I I don't know if that was just a rye or so. Anyway, I, I regret that the that the uh, I, I did really enjoy it. I was wasn't too sure when they said experimental, but <laughs> they uh, I regret that uh, Brewer wasn't there. So hopefully I make it back there and I can find out what what the experimental part was. So because it even said on their in parentheses on their menu experimental. So yeah. they, they they had something going on that that they were trying different. I just don't know what it was.
1: You're like, what's in the box? Yeah,
0: yeah those are the ones yeah, that I, I look for on the menu. It's like experimental, which is like you'd think it's going to be good, but they want that feedback. So it's like maybe it's the new recipe. Maybe it's a new varietal of hop that they're trying out. Maybe it's a new yeast strain that they're trying to get a house yeast. I yep. think I think you're right on on that. I think I think that's, that's something I go for too. When I see the – I always ask what the – what the brew staff is most excited about because usually they'll be honest. And if you're going to the right establishments, they're not trying to push you into the one that's been on the tap the longest. But yeah, I think, I think it's a great thing to look for the experimentals and hopefully you find out that mystery because we'd love to know.
2: And I'm definitely into, uh, I, I do, when I go to a new brewery, especially, I, I'll get a flight because that way I get to try, see, see what they got, see what I like. Um, and not just get locked into one and then then if i want to have have another you know have a pint of something else at Mm -hmm. least i kind of and i know most most of them will give you a a taster but i'd rather have a a little bigger pour just to, to to try them out give them give them a chance and see see what's what with them so
0: yeah, I'm pro flight too. Uh, being a brew tender as well, I, I used to always recommend a flight. And again, like offer taste, I would offer tasting to see if I could get them to something if they said they enjoyed the Kolsch style. But I figured, okay, they might like this that's got a similar yeast. Let's give them a try that, like a little tease, and then we'll get them a flight because otherwise they might just pick everything that they know um again some people say like you can't get the full beer flavor out of a five ounce pour again i think it's like you said you want to have another so that's the best way to try a good amount from a new place so i think that's a great strategy
2: no it works uh, it it works uh hard sometimes it's just hard narrowing it down to enough uh you know four or five for a flight anyway
1: (laughs) it's a little easier for me because i only like about two or three styles of beer so and they because we're in such a heavy IPA area yeah when I go to a brewery getting a flight can be hard because there might only be one or two beers that are not IPAs on the menu and so then I'll have to. I mean then I'm forced to go outside or they don't do flights (laughs) yeah (laughs) or they don't do flights flights. yeah
0: or you go to Kauai in Hawaii and they have like a flight that was like we had like what taste the rainbow James yeah it was taste the rainbow there was like at least 10 (laughs) in each flight it was incredible
1: Wow, yeah. Yeah, that'd
0: be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Taste the rainbow. That's what it was. You're right.
1: Someday we'll go back and have that rainbow again. We'll see. Okay. Well, before we wrap up today, is there anything that you would like to plug? Do you want to remind people of your Instagram? Well, if they, if they
2: want to come and check out my Instagram account, uh, it's at blindbrewguy. So that's really the only social I'm on just because that's that's what I do I, <laughs> I, I I like I like meeting people there I, I I actually interact with quite quite a few people probably more than I should be but it's, it's just the way it is so I, I've met I met a lot of great a lot of great friends some I've met in person at, at beer festivals and stuff like that after we've uh, become friends on um, on on Instagram and then you know busy with 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 you guys and other podcasters uh, just uh yeah talk talk about shows talk about ideas for shows mm-hmm. things like that so so i do spend a lot of time on instagram if anyone wants to check it out and and say hi i'll I'll, I'll be there so okay uh, other, <laughs> other than that i don't have much else to plug i i'm pretty I'm pretty much non-commercial i i don't i don't sell anything i don't advocate anything other than you know enjoying homebrew and and have a have a beer when you, when you can.
0: So thanks again, Fred, for joining us. When you're in Massachusetts next time, shoot us a message, and maybe we can get together at a local craft brewery and have some fun. Yeah,
2: yeah. If, if, I, if I ever make it that way. I, I lived out in Washington, D.C. for eight years, so I could have made it up there <laughs> at some point. But,
1: uh, you're on the East Coast. Well, we appreciate you coming on and for sharing your story and for letting other people know that, with an impairment, you can still homebrew. You can still make it work for you. So we appreciate you sharing your story.
2: Okay, no thanks for having me on. I, I really enjoy talking to you guys in person, uh, or or at least this version of in person. So it's it's uh, I love the show, and uh, you guys you do a great job.
0: Thank you. And this is where I, t- if I had a nice <laughs> little graphic of the United States, I would just mark Arizona, and there would be <laughs> Fred, the blind brew guy. Mark okay. it. There you go, Fred. You just won yourself a state.
2: <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> thanks a
0: lot
1: <laughs> thank you okay well we are always looking for homebrewers just like Fred to come on the show and share their story so if you are interested shoot us a direct message on Instagram at Double Podcast.
0: and remember to follow us on our Instagram page because that's how we reach new homebrewers like you
1: and also rate, review, and subscribe we would really appreciate it if you would go out there and do that This has been been Double Hot Beat. Catch (laughs) you on the Bruce side.